Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Talking City and the Manchester is Red podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. Ahead of the Manchester Derby this weekend, we thought we'd combine forces on our podcast and bring you all the news and preview you need ahead of the 191st Manchester Derby. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined in the blue corner, Simon Bajkowski. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. I nearly didn't make it back from uh, from Burn for for this, so I'm very happy to be sat here in good old England. Ty, your week may be less exciting than Burn. Uh, you're in the red corner today. How are you doing? Uh, yes, good. Thank you, Rich. Good. Looking forward to to the 191st Manchester Derby this weekend. All in blue. Is that a sign? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that was intentional or not. I suppose we'll start with the moods. Um, the City verdict then, Si, I mean, from the outside, City's still having a decent season, but I suppose externally people would have expected them to have started better than they have. They've looked beatable, I suppose, for United heading to the weekend. That might be the, the glimmer of hope they need. Yeah, I think results have been a lot better than performances from a City point of view. Um, they're still kind of searching for, A, for kind of the new look this season, because if a few players have been replaced, obviously with Gundogan and Mares, um and Nunes and Kovacic are not really like for light replacements and a different kind of midfield. Uh, Foden and Alvarez weren't really first team regulars last season, but are now this season. So they play in a different style. Kevin De Bruyne is injured. Um, and also, you know, it, I think after you win a treble, it's very hard to sort of get up for, you know, Premier League games when they're so, so far to go. Um, you know, I think Guardiola said in midweek, there's still 87 points to play for in the Premier League. So we will try and big this derby up as, you know, winner takes all, must win. But it, it's kind of like, well, it doesn't really matter that much. You might look back at the end of the season and say that three points was very important, but you won't know it yet. So... Um, yeah, I think there's a there's a case of City kind of still kind of warming up, waking up and finding their, their groove again. I suppose maybe a bit of revisionism, but start of last season anyway, City were kind of similar, weren't they? Where well, they weren't playing that well yeah, at times, but getting the results. it's funny because they don't, um, they don't usually start as well as they finish, but then they won the first six games. And I think maybe that affected people's expectations and you start thinking, oh, they're going to go on another winning run and win 50 games and... The, the performances weren't necessarily enough to match those six results. And then they lost two in a row and it's like, oh, the problems. And they've you sort of go over and under and they now we're probably back at, yeah, it's a decent start. It could have been better. It could have been a lot worse. Um, they will go into the derby kind of confident and everyone will think that they should win. But they have kind of shown a few vulnerabilities that suggest that United could get at them. Tie the United mood then. I mean, yeah, where do we begin with them? I mean, if you look at United's, United's scene so far, they've only really won one game convincingly. That was against Palace in the Carabao Cup. All the others have been with drama. They've won three on a row. Um, you can say that, look, this is a bit of momentum. Confidence might be building. But if you dig a little deeper, even those three wins were rather unconvincing, weren't they? They were, yeah. And to be honest, I don't really even count that Palace game. It feels like Palace rope had them that week and just gave them that one and then beat them on Saturday and turned up with their proper team and, and won. So it <laughs> feels like it doesn't really count. I mean, every time it's the final of the Carabao Cup or win it, we'll, we'll give it more credence. But at the moment, it feels like a bit of a, 
an anomaly because, like you say, it's the one game where they actually won and won well. Um, you know, as I mentioned, results of, of mass performances at City. United have probably had neither. Um, you know, they've got results at the moment. They've won three in a row, but you wouldn't say they've played well in any of those games. They've beaten three average teams, I guess. Brentford, Sheffield United and FC Copenhagen, all by one goal. Not particularly played well in any of them. You know, but beyond that Palace game, I don't think they've played well in a game all season. Certainly not for 90 minutes. They've had spells in games where they look good. Um, but they've not they've not put it together, and yeah, I think you know, the mood is probably improving. I think this week the the talk has been, you know, the, the the words of confidence and momentum because they've won three in a row. But the confidence, you know, I was just saying off air downstairs to you guys, the, the confidence is built on results, and that's it. There's no confidence in style of play or what they're trying to do because no one knows what they're trying to do. So that that's that's the kind of confidence that comes and goes like that. And if they start badly on Sunday. It'll be gone, that confidence. So, um, so yeah, I think things are pretty fragile there at the moment, I think it's fair to say. Do either of you buy into the form goes out the window sort of mantra for these derby matches? I mean, do, yeah, either, do either of them have form to throw out the window? No, they, they do. And, you know, I, um, I should say, like, you know, I watch City every week and sort of you watch them a season and I sort of turn to colleagues and say, they're not playing that well, are they? And... You know, I have plenty of people like Ty who cover both and who turn to me and say, well, if you think this is bad. <laughs> there's another team in Manchester. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of City fans who are very, very nervous about this game because they, you know, for 20 years or whatever, they've been the big underdogs. And this game was like a freebie for them. There was nothing to lose. And now they expect to win. Um, but it's always nervous with a with a derby and you know City have City have finished above United for the last 10 years but I don't remember many times when they won the double over them so there are many many occasions in recent years when United have won games against City that they weren't expected to or shouldn't have so and I can't remember the last time United won a derby by dominating the match either or you know, sort of being the but better. But I don't think they team. will dominate yeah, them. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. They don't. Yeah. They don't need to necessarily yeah. because tight does seem even now very obvious of what the game's going to look like on Sunday. City will have the majority of possession. They'll be probing United. Might struggle to break them down at times. And United need to embrace their almost that underdog and siege mentality, don't they? And try and hit them on the break. Yeah, I don't think it's any coincidence that United probably United's most consistent spell of causing City problems in derbies in the last ten years was under Solskjaer when they were very much a counter-attacking transition team and that clearly caused City problems and was a way to get at them and you know, United had some really good results against City under, under Solskjaer. Um, Ten Hag wants United to, to play that well, he's talked about them being um, you know, the best in the world at transition I think, um, but he also wants them to be more than that, you know, he wants them to be a, a strong pressing team and, and dominate possession. Um, they look a little lost at the moment but clearly if they have any kind of success on Sunday, I think it will be on the counter attack. They've they've got mostly the players for it. In you know Rashford and Hoyland, I think could could achieve that. I think they'll be looking to win the ball and, and kind of you know do it on 35 percent possession, win the ball um, off City, and then play play quickly over the top, which we've seen them do um, a, a little bit this season. That, that's why you know I think that's clearly the blueprint. The blueprint. I don't think United are going to turn up and compete for, with City for possession and compete for territorial dominance. Their, their way to beat them is to, to play on the counter-attack. And they have been 
a good counter-attacking team over the last four or five years. So, you know, that always gives them some hope. We'll get into sort of more Derby preview later in the podcast in part three, but quickly, who do you both think the game will hinge on on Sunday? Who do you think will be most pivotal to either team's chances of actually winning it? Who needs that, that big game? I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Anana. Because City's tactic against United for years has been press really high because De Gea is rubbish at kicking. And it's worked for them. Now in the Champions League final, they couldn't because Anana was really good. Uh, Anana, Anana's game seems to have gone out the window like since he signed for United. But he did make that penalty save at the weekend. So it's going to be interesting to see if City prepare for the Anana that they faced in summer or the Anana that is struggling now. Uh, Casemiro versus Rodri, I think, for me. Um, you know, in the derby at, um, in January last year, I think there was a view that United finally had a player that could compete with Rodri. They had their own world-class holding midfielder. That's not been the case this year. He's, he's missed the last two games, one through suspension and one through injury. He's going to be available on Saturday. But he's been really poor this season. There's even an argument he shouldn't start on form, isn't there, this week? And I think he will, but yeah, there is an argument. That... I'm pretty certain he will. I think there was an opportunity for Amrabat to, to stake his claim. You know, I don't think he took it. He got hooked after 45 minutes on, on Tuesday night and he was really, really poor. So I don't think he's done anywhere near enough to, to kind of stake the claim to, to start. And I think it will definitely be Casemiro's, um, Casemiro's role and his experience that Ten Hag goes with. But... He's been, he's been poor this season, been caught too high up the pitch, too slow to react to things, generally just looks sluggish. And that's, you know, that's an area where, where City will, will look to have some joy. And you know, Alvarez, Alvarez against him, Foden coming in field against him. Casemiro's head could be spinning. If he has the kind of game where he's, he's had too often this season and struggles, then it could be a real problem for, for United. And we know that Rodri's very unlikely to have that sort of game. He's, you know, incredibly consistent. Um, so I think United need Casemiro to, to step up. And if he doesn't, I think that's going to be a problem for them. That's all for part one of this Talking City in Manchester is Red podcast crossover. Join us after the break where we look back at the two teams' victories in midweek. Welcome back to this Manchester Derby special of the Talking City and Manchester is Red podcast. Both teams won in midweek. Si, you were there in Burn. What was the, the match like then? I mean, the, maybe when it got to one all, some doubts creeping in and you know, the disallowed goal? Yeah, I think the first half was a tale of um, City missing a lot of good chances. It was one of those Champions League games, you know, when the keeper has a really good game but you can also tell that he's maybe not as good as... He's having a game that kind of belies his ability, so every so often he throws, he like drops a straightforward ball, but then he pulls out sort of five world-class saves and you're like, right, OK. Um, so it, it was a bit of one of those. It was difficult because it was absolutely chucking down. It was an artificial pitch, so it took a lot of time for City to kind of get used to the bounce of the ball and... Um, how that was going, but it was, it was a very promising performance. Um, in terms of Sunday, kind of the players that you would want to have a good game ahead of Sunday, did, like Erling Haaland scored two goals and played really well. Um, and interesting comments from 
from Pep afterwards on him. Um, Jack Grealish had his best games in months, easily the best performance this season. Um, and it had kind of been a toss-up as to whether he would play on Sunday, but I think that performance kind of nailed it and said, yeah, he's going straight in the team on Sunday. So, yeah, it was it was very promising. And Guardiola loves these kind of games because, you know, it's really easy to get up for the derby, but it's less easy to get up for a, a group game against, you know, the Swiss champions who you can still qualify from the group even if you don't win or even if you lose. So at 1-1, things could have... City could have seen out the draw, City could have lost, but it, the fact that they came back to to win, um, he was absolutely delighted afterwards and you can, you can see why. I suppose as well, we'll come on to it with United as the comparison really, but it did from the outside look like a routine away win in Europe, which yeah. lots of other teams, there they are, can't really pick up. No, no, and um, that's it. Everyone expected them to win. But also, like, City are at this stage in Europe where no one even really takes notice of them in the groups because you just expect them to qualify. And, you know, do you want to watch... There were, like, analysts in the press box below us watching Newcastle on the telly. It was like that's how interested they were in the City, in the city game. So don't get me started on that press box. Um, but, yeah, it was... Um, Guardiola wants his players to turn up even when other people aren't turning up or other people aren't interested in what they're doing. That is when he's more interested to see how how his players perform and react and they, they really came through. Kind of what United used to do in the glory days in Champions League games, wasn't it, Ty, where Copenhagen at home, that's going to be a doddle, isn't it? What was that like on Tuesday night then? Before we came on air, you said that was perhaps the first half, the worst performance you've seen from a Ten Hag United side so far. I, I think so. I mean, maybe that's an overreaction, obviously. But it's hard to say because the, the Brentford game last year and the Brighton game at the start of the season didn't really feel like Ten Hag teams. Yeah. They were a carry-on from what happened before. This is now clearly Ten Hag's team, and I know they've got injuries, but it, it was startling how bad it was in that 45 minutes. Um, the start, the first 15 minutes, was horrific. You know, there's no other word for it. And it's a time when you think... You know, the, 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 the tributes to Sir Bobby Charlton before the game were incredibly poignant, incredibly well judged. And you think that would kind of, the atmosphere was great. It, it should kind of galvanise you. And it, it felt like United's players were just affected by it in a way. They were sombre from it. Maybe it had, you know, the, the emotion of it and the poignance of it, poignancy of it had kind of slowed them down half a yard. But they were just, you know, Copenhagen could have been winning that game 2-0 after 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, they'd had five shots and four corners at Old Trafford. It's just, you know, it's unheard of. And they were a decent side, but you know, with FC Copenhagen, really, you, you, should be, you should be beating them at home. Um, and they just made such hard work of it. And, and like I said, I thought the first half was, I just thought it was dreadful. Um, and at the, the chat at half-time, when you go down to the press room at half-time, you look at it and it's hard to know, and this is what I was touching on before, it's hard to know what the plan is in that team. It's hard to know what their identity is, what their philosophy is. And you think, you know, you, you, can, you can close your eyes and look at City especially, Arsenal, Liverpool. You can close your eyes, even Tottenham under Postacoglu already. You close your eyes and you know how they play and you can imagine like an, a perfect City goal, a perfect Arsenal goal, Tottenham goal, Liverpool goal. It feels like United's goals are almost just flukes at the moment. They're not coming out of any pattern of play or anything like that because there are no patterns of play it's there's, there's nothing really there from a tactical point of view and 
I don't know whether that's confidence related. It felt in pre-season at the start of the season, like you could see what Tenark was trying to do, that they were playing a much higher line with Inanna, they were trying to press a lot higher. They'd, you know, they'd really condensed the play, they were pushing up, they were trying to box the opposition in, totally dominate games, and it's, it's not worked. And now they kind of just look stuck, really, and they're doing, they're doing neither. And you, know, you, you watch that game, and all of their games recently, and it's just they've regressed to being a team of moments, which is probably was the criticism under Solskjaer, really. You know, Inanna's penalty save, a goal from a set piece, McTominay's goals against Brentford, you know, that, that's not a reliable um, strategy to win football matches, to bring a holding midfielder, an all-round midfielder, to be fair to McTominay, but someone you considered selling in the summer, bring him on to rescue a game with two goals in injury time, you know, that's a, a total one-off. It's just a, you know, it's these moments that just kind of happen. It's not, it's not being built up through any pressure or through any tactical systems or things like that in a game. You just can't, you can't really watch them and think, you know, there's no identity to them at the moment, essentially. There's no, you don't look at them and think that's a Ten Hag team because we don't really know what a Ten Hag team is in, in the Premier League. And tactically, they, they, they look like they've got a long way to go at the moment. And that's why I think that this confidence they're talking about is fragile because it's built purely on results and they've beaten three teams by the odd goal. Three teams you should be beating easily. And if they play for the first 15, 20 minutes against City like they did against Copenhagen, they probably will be 2-0 down. And at that point, that confidence is gone. As I was saying before, if, if that happens to City, the confidence will still be there because they've got almost the muscle memory of, we know exactly what to do under Guardiola, we know exactly where to be, we know what our positions are, we know what to do in this situation, that situation, and we know it works for us because we've won all these titles, we won the treble last year. So even if you have some bad results, even if you go 2-0 down in 20 minutes at Old Trafford, they will retain that belief because they know what they're doing works for them. And you sense at the moment United don't have that. They have confidence because they've won three games in a row, but they don't have the belief to fall back on that what they're doing is working because it's not really working. And there's no, you know, there's no distinguishable style to them at the moment, I don't think. So do you think City will purposefully sort of look to race out of the blocks on Sunday and try and get an early goal, try and put United under pressure? Because in recent years, when I think to two of the sort of more dominant dominating City performances at Old Trafford. There was the 2-0, the was it two, three years ago? Um, and there was the, the, I think, was it Pep, the Centurion season where Bernardo Silva kept the ball by the corner flag in the end for about eight minutes or something yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. And City didn't sort of blow United away with the scoreline, but they just dominated them and never seemed in any doubt. Do you think this weekend it might be the opposite where City just try and make, sort of try to score as many goals as they can early on and try and... I think they will. I remember the, the Bayonne goal game that I don't think City won by as much as they should, but kind of that set the tone for, yes, they are a much better team and we'll win this game. Um, like United, to me, look like how City did in their first year and yeah, beyond that. But most of the first year, I remember when they went out of the Champions League to Monaco in their first season, they won the first leg 5-3 and they went over to Monaco and Guardiola said, I want you to attack. He told them to attack and the players they're in March they're kind of they're not in the the best position in the Premier League and they're thinking well 5-3 up why are we attacking and they weren't fully convinced that they should do it and because of that they weren't fully convinced they weren't fully committed they did kind of neither and they got beat and also you know beyond um, 
the even so the second year they obviously got 100 points but for a few years after that if you could get at City and score against them you could maybe score another in quick succession because they were so used to doing well that when things went against them there were a few minutes where they were like oh god what's gone on how do we stop this and teams had a lot of success against them um, in those rare occasions when they were beat by scoring multiple goals in quick succession so like Ty was saying like United, the longer it goes on at nil-nil, United will be happy. But as soon as City score, all those doubts will start flooding into this United team. As we saw in the FA Cup final. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, and that was, you know, I was surprised after the Cup final that Ten Hag said, you know, oh, the gap between us isn't that big. Um, because it felt like City was just like kind of a, a bigger kid holding them at arm's length, just being like, you're not coming near and me. And again, had their eyes on the Champions League final. Really. Yeah, yeah, but but they only won 2-1. Um, but, you know, but that was United's big chance to stop City winning the treble and they never looked like they would win the game, really. Um, however, you know, if United can stop City or if City kind of come out slowly, then I think that's where... That's where potentially they can they can get on top of them, but I do expect City to come out instantly to try and erode that United confidence and stop them before they can get going. Yeah, and we saw both sides that last season that we tied. We saw the six-three, which flattered United oddly because Marshall scored too late on and really sort of boosted the scoreline for United, made it look a lot better than it was. And then we saw the two-one in January, and that was a game where you know Grealish opens the scoring sort of on the hour mark, I think roughly, wasn't it? City had been the better team, but they hadn't created too much. And United did what they do best. They play well on the counter-attack. And, and got a refereeing decision. And got a, got a very <laughs> fortuitous... <laughs> United played well that day, I think. Um, you know, I think that... I, f- I think that's what you mean, though. Isn't it? For United to play well, you need some individual brilliance and yeah. you need a bit of luck, probably, as well, to go your way. Which yeah, United exactly. will need both those things on Sunday. Yeah. And they'll probably need City to not be at their best. So you're already looking at three factors sort of required to, to beat them, Yeah, and it's hard to see United playing as well all round as they did on that day in, in January, you know, that you wouldn't say they were City Well, maybe they were City's equals that day, to be fair. They, you know, that they were, they yeah. were, but it was a very fragile City. It was a fragile City team at that time, and it was a United team who were full of confidence because, you know, that was probably their apex under Ten Hag, that, that sort of run, the, you know, the post, um, post-World Cup period for three months or so, they, they were excellent. They were winning every week, Rashford was scoring every week, and there was, you know, the real genesis of a really good, structured team there um, and obviously they're not they're not in that position now and you know it's interesting what Cy was saying before about Guardiola's first season and you know, I, I did a piece on this this morning talking about the fact that Ted Hag hasn't got that um, you know the, the same thing to fall back on as, as Guardiola had in terms of the performances and things like that and in Guardiola's second season that was obviously the point it turned him in and got 100 points um, and from his second from early on in his second season you were like right that's a pep team like what happened in the first season doesn't really matter. We were building to this. Now you're in Ten Hag's second season, and they are arguably look worse than last season. Yeah, they, you know, there's there's caveats in terms of the injuries. The injuries have been disastrous to them. There's caveats in terms of how the club is run, but this is his team now. He has spent four hundred million pound, and you're not seeing, you know, you're not looking at United on the pitch every week and going, that's a Ten Hag's team. I get it. I get what they're trying to do. And I think that's you know that's an obvious problem for him. And you look at Sunday, and you can't you know it's not it's not obvious how they'll play. It wouldn't surprise me if he did something a bit different, something we something we're not expecting selections wise. 
in you know in, in midfield. It's hard to know where they where they go with that. Obviously, McTominay started the last two. Mason Mount's been on the bench, didn't even come on at the weekend. Will he play Casemiro and Amrabat? You know, it doesn't feel like you it doesn't feel like you could pick that team easily at the moment, which is not a good thing because you're not in that position because you've got so many options. You're in that position because you're thinking, I need to find something that, that's working. That's all for part two of this special Manchester Derby crossover podcast. After the break, we will hear from you, the fans, ahead of the meeting this weekend. Manchester here outside Old Trafford where the Manchester Derby will be happening this Sunday but who do the fans think is going to win? I'm hoping that we turn up and play a good game and personally I think we're going to win 2-1. I'm feeling quite confident to be fair. Um, Alvarez has taken over a bit more than Haaland at the minute so I don't know, that, that is our main threat. I don't think we'll walk away with it, I'm going to, I reckon we'll get a 2-1 win. 2-1 win. Who do you reckon will score? Um, I'm going to go for Hoyland and I've I hope McTominay because he's legend, isn't he? But Derby-wise, just don't want to be embarrassed, really. I think more than anything else. Um, unfortunately, the last few games it doesn't look like they're overly interested, so if they put in a bit of an effort and get any type of result out of it, it'd be good. But yeah, I'm not sure how likely that is. I'd have to say 3-0 to them. Big win. Realistically, realistically. <laughs> I'm hoping for a draw, I can't see us getting anything more than a draw. Mm-hmm. Not on form anyway. The way the team is at the minute, United are just a bunch of misfits. Really? You know. We're well, not a team on form, so. No, not at all. But it'll come eventually. Yeah, but we have faith in Senna. <laughs> well hopefully we can put up a performance yeah. at least, yeah, just show some a bit of fight. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it, some fight, play yeah. style. Not uh, not how we've been playing recently. I think when it comes to derbies as well, sometimes form might go out the window and it's just you know all about yeah, that one like game, that ninety minutes, as we've seen before as well. So we'll, we're just hoping that yeah we can we can turn up and show some fight really. Go with the two one, two one. Uh, my prediction might be different to what I want it yeah, to be. United, I would Scott, love it to be two nothing United, but I suspect it will either be two one City match day, or two one United. Right, and who do you think the goal scorers will be? Well, I expect Haaland will get one, mm-hmm. but I would be hoping that, that Rashi or Hoyland might get one. Um, I'd love to tell you that I think we'll definitely win. I could probably see a narrow, a narrow city win. I don't think they're quite as good a team this year as, as what they were last season, but I, I think probably on the day they, they might just edge us. Can I get a score prediction from you? I'll say... 2-1 City, begrudgingly. Who, <laughs> Who do you think will score? Um, it's a struggle to see Haaland not being on the score sheet. Um, United, see Bruno. Well, it would be really nice if they actually won the derby because it'd be real good um, to honour Bobby in that way. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a score prediction? I think it'll be 2-1. And who will score? Uh, hopefully Rashford and... Um, Oh, okay then, yeah. So that'd be good, yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. We've heard what the red side of Manchester have to say, but let's hear what the blue side of Manchester have to say outside the Etihad. Ooh, it's going to be a tough one. Um, I think uh, Tenaga always uh, has a, a way of playing to, to, to make a difference, but in the end, I think they're going to lose by one to three. And who do you think is going to score? Uh, Haaland, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ake. 
with a header from a, from a corner kick. And Grealish, because he's a big Grealish fan. So. Well, I'm hoping it's going to be easy the way they're playing at the moment. So, stick my neck out and say it's going to be a big win for us. Who's going to score? Debatable. Alvarez. Um, oh, Parlin gets that trick. <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to be about 3-1. Right. For City, of course. I'm going to say 3-1. 3-1 to City. Who will score? Uh, I would say... <laughs> Haaland. Uh, I'm going to go Foden again. Let's just see if we're going to annihilate them. 4-0, Man City. And who do you think is going to score? Haaland, Artrick. Foden. Right. Phil Ford and smashing it. You got any other predictions you'd like to make for the game? No, I just can see it one sided game. One sided game. I think we're going to hammer them out of it. Yeah. Come on, City. Whether it's the legendary lionesses, grassroots, or expert analysis of the women's leagues, women's football news has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews, and expert opinion. Don't miss women's football news. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's football is here to stay, and so are we. So then, I suppose United fans are feeling optim maybe quietly optimistic that they could get another famous win at Old Trafford. Ty, I mean, lots of 2-1 scorelines as we saw in January. Do you think that is United's only chance of winning? It will be by an odd goal on the, on the break rather than them actually putting in a good performance? Because we yeah, yeah, we have, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think they can win playing badly and getting a goal on the break. I think if they're going to win, yes, they might score on a counter-attack or something like that, but they are going to have to play well to stop City. They're going to have to defend well. And I mean, that, that is one area, to be fair, they've looked better at recently. The defence for the last three games has been much improved. Harry Maguire's playing really well. You think it'd be Maguire and Varane on, on Sunday. So... Uh, you know, I think I, th I don't th I don't think they can play as they did against Brentford, Sheffield United, or Copenhagen and win this game. They will have to play better. And yes, they might score on the counter attack. There's nothing wrong with that. But if they are to do that, they're still going to have to defend well and have you know show that get the right structures in place and, and restrict City's chances to to win the game. And you know, I, I guess the bonus for them is that the the areas they've looked poor in in those three games is, is kind of. You know, it, it's creating chances. It's looking like a, a, a strong team. It's looking like a good. In, they've not looked like a good in possession team. Basically, out of possession, I think they've looked better in those three games. In possession, you're, you're struggling to see a plan, like I'm saying, and, and what they're trying to do. But um, out of possession, they'll need to be at their best to get a result. I think. Sigh for City. Uh, you know, there is the external pressure where you say just play your own game and you win, but it's not as easy as that. And I suppose maybe a lazy stereotype of City under Guardiola is that sometimes they can overthink these big games or not just play the team you'd say play. When it works, Guardiola never gets the credit for it. When it goes wrong, people always point it out. But do you think City, could you see any surprise from City's lineup this weekend or from the way they play? No, and I think that's a big change in how um, City have evolved and kind of had more success. You know, you can probably name at least 10 of the starting 11 now. Um, and... So which position do you think is up for grabs then? Um, I, I, the team that I think would play will be... And this is, this is pre-press conference, so yeah, team news could yeah. obviously date this. Edison, Walker, Stones, Diaz, Gvardiol, Rodri, 
Kovacic, uh, Rodri, Bernardo, um, Alvarez, Foden, Grealish, Haaland. Now, Ake could play instead of Guardiol in defence. Doku could play instead of Grealish and Kovacic could play instead of Bernardo. But I, realistically, I think that is the team. And I think, like we've been saying, we know how City are going to play. We know how they're going to set up. And they're going to set up like that because, you know, Rodri, John Stones, Erling Haaland. Um, I, yeah, those three would get into any team in the world. There is not a team in world football that would not be better without them. And then you've got the likes of Diaz and Foden and Alvarez who, and Walker who would get in the majority um, and Bernardo Silva. So like they are some of the best players on the planet. I think there's seven um, City players in the 30 man shortlist for the Ballon d'Or. Like they are the best players on the pitch. So just put them on the pitch. Edison's up for the goalkeeper award. So why wouldn't you play your best players? And, and that really is, um, what City have been about, getting the best players and um, getting them to perform in the big games. Ty, United's approach, we've often seen in these bigger games that Fernandez may play on the right wing, and there's been a suggestion Mason Mount could play there as well um, since he's been signed. What sort of tactical outlook do you expect for United? I mean, a lot of that could hinge on the midfield setup, as you hinted to McTominay in form. Casemiro not played well, but you'd expect him to start. Amrabat not taking his chance yet, but not really played in a game that suits his skill set as a defensive midfielder against maybe a bigger team where you've got lots of dirty work to do. Um, yeah, what, what do you think of the United sort of setup this weekend? I think it's hard to call, as I was saying before. I mean, this, I think if you played Fernandes on the right, or started Fernandes on the right in, in this game last year and had Anthony on the bench, I think, and, and Anthony came off the bench when they were 1-0 uh, down. And of course, Ericsson, I mean, he was the game changer in midweek, yeah, but if you yeah. look back to the FA Cup final, he was anonymous. He was. I think, I think this is the best Ericsson has played since before his, his ankle injury in January recently. Um, I thought he changed the game against Sheffield United and he changed the game against FC Copenhagen. When, he, when he's come on, there's been, um, you know, there's, there's, he's almost brought meaning to United in the last two games with his, his quality on the ball and he's just, he's helped them keep possession and, and move the ball forward a lot easier. Um, I, I think he deserves to be in the team in midfield. The midfield is difficult. I think there's an argument for playing on the right. Um, you know, Ten Hag talked about Fernandez's kind of intelligence to press from the right and move in field previously. And I think he perhaps likes that against City when you know City are going to use stones pushing forward into midfield. Fernandez can easily come inside and, and make up the numbers there. So I do wonder if we'll see that. But he, you know, he plays Anthony every week, doesn't he? Um, I, I, you know, I, I, don't think, I don't think Anthony deserves his place in the team on form. So maybe playing Fernandes there is a way to get Ericsson in the team. Casemiro would, would be there. And then you're looking at one other midfielder, maybe whether you play Mount. Um, you know, there's, there's got to be question marks there at the moment, um, given what they paid for him in the summer. And it's difficult to know what, what, what role he's envisaged for at the moment, whether you play Amrabat with Casemiro and just look to destroy it, basically. So I think there's options, and I think it's difficult to know which way Ten Hag's going to go because of the form of so many so many players. But, yeah, I think you know, Fernandes on the right, the fact he did that in this game last season, the fact he's talked about what Fernandes brings on the right and his, his pressing and stuff like that, you wonder whether it's something he'll, he'll do. But Mann could probably do that role as well, to be fair, on the right, because I think his, 
you know, managers, coaches love him, don't they? And, and his intelligence of reading the game and stuff like that. So I'm sure he could do a role on the right where he almost comes in field and, and tries to stop Stones getting the ball as often. Two City wins, one United win in the derbies last season then. Si, how do you see it going this weekend at Old Trafford? I think City should win. Um, you know, they're the better team, they've got better players, they've got the better manager. Um, and they've been playing better this season. So I would expect City to come away with, you know, maybe a, a 3-1 win. Um, but they have been vulnerable at the back. They've not kept as many clean sheets as they could. Um, and a few defenders have done a number on Erling Haaland this season. So, you know, if, if United can um, keep Haaland quiet, then they've got a better chance of, of causing a surprise. But I think it would be a surprise if United won. Yeah, I suppose as well, you'd argue, even if United keep Haaland quiet, there's a plethora of other players they'd have to be wary about. Whereas for United... Ty, it's hard to see who that match would be. I mean, I know Hoyland has tried to dismiss the Haaland comparisons and they've been very unfair on him, but it's going to be a, a storyline that's talked about heading them right up to kick-off, isn't it, on Sunday? Yeah, it is. It, it's an obvious area of comparison. They're both Scandinavian. The names are quite similar. It's an open goal. Um, I, I think Hoyland's been one of the positives for United this year, but he needs to score in the Premier League. Now, he's been, he's been positive without scoring the goals that maybe his plays deserved. Um, but goal scoring is, is clearly a big issue for this team. Um, you know, Maguire scored in midweek. I think that was his first of the season. So I think that's like 12 different goal scorers in 13 games for United, which you can look at and say, what a record that is. That's, you know, that's brilliant, they're sharing the goals out. But they have to share the goals out because Rashford's got one, Hoyland's got three, all in the Champions League. Well, it, it's brilliant if they've scored 40 goals. It's not if they've scored... 15, isn't exactly, it? yeah, yeah, and you know, it's Casemiro's got four, Tony's got three, doesn't feel like those sort of things are sustainable. Your striker's got three, not in the Premier League. Last season's 30 goal top scorer's got one. I don't know if Anthony scored this season, I'm not sure he has. Um, you know, the forwards just aren't, aren't producing the goals, so it's, it's not easy to see where United's goals will come from. What do you think for the, for the score line this weekend then? I don't, I don't think it's going to get as grim as some derbies have previously for United. I agree with Sai, it would clearly be a shock if United won on current form. Um, but I think maybe City by one goal. Um, I wouldn't entirely rule out a draw if United do turn up and just kind of play well out of possession and just kind of dog it out, basically. Um, but yeah, I think maybe City by one goal. We will see what happens this weekend then at Old Trafford. Ty, Sai, thank you very much for joining us today on this special podcast. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. And thank you very much to you, wherever you are in the world, for joining us on this episode of the Talking City and Manchester is Red podcast. As always, please check us out on all the socials. The links are in the description below. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next week on the respective podcast to analyse what happened at Old Trafford and look ahead to the game on the horizon as well. Take care and we'll see you again next time. Yeah.